Hello and welcome to our fourth Eleanor podcast. My name is Anna and I'm a project consultant working here at Eleanor Hospice. It's my job to connect with many different teams within the organisation. And today I'm going to talk to Andrew Loudon, who is our operational wellbeing lead. We're going to have a chat about the wellbeing services that are available to patients here at Eleanor once they are diagnosed with a terminal or a life-limiting illness. Now Andy believes that patients have two choices. You can either spend the rest of your life worrying about that illness, the effects that it might have on you, what the end of your life might look like, or you can come to a place like Eleanor where we'll talk you through it, we'll help you to cope with whatever life throws at you and over whatever time it throws at you. And now to support this discussion, I'm really pleased to say that we have a patient of ours, Diane Basson. And Diane has got multiple long-term conditions that she's dealing with at the moment and she's currently under Eleanor's wellbeing team. And you're going to be kindly sharing some of your experiences today um, around hospice care, some of the benefits and obviously first impressions of us as a service as well. So thank you both for joining me. Really you're appreciate welcome. your time. Now, Andy, everyone knows at some point we're all going to die. That is it. That is a given. We just don't know when exactly that is. So when you're diagnosed with a life-limiting condition, everything seems to change. It's like there's a new sense of urgency, you know, maybe some feelings of overwhelm, worrying about what might lie ahead. So just tell us, I suppose, in a nutshell, Andy, what is hospice care? What services does Eleanor sort of provide to support some of that? I think you're spot on there, Anna, with uh, when people are told they have a life-limited condition, life speeds up. We've all got things that we might have wanted to do before we die. Uh, bucket lists are a very common, popular phrase nowadays. Um, and suddenly you're told, actually, you're not going to be here forever and you're going to be here for a predicted amount of time. Um, and suddenly you want to do those things that you've you've talked about. And Eleanor is um, excellent at doing end of life care. So when people are approaching the very end of life and when we talk about the very end of life in the hospice world, what we are kind of thinking about is the kind of last weeks to months and and we kind of mobilize and the, the nurses will kick in and the doctors will kick in and we'll come and visit you at your homes or we'll admit you to the ward and we'll give you the, the medical support that you need to help that transition to death be peaceful and be calm and controlled. Um, but alongside a lot of those traditionally medical roles, we have the wellbeing team. And the wellbeing team is, I suppose, what I would describe as the lighter side of hospice care, in that we are helping people to make the most of the time that they have. So we absolutely work with people that are at the end of life. So if they've got months, weeks, days left to live, we have services such as our complementary therapy service who will perform Reiki, aromatherapy, massage type sessions that can help people to relax and stay calm. Now they also have benefits for people who aren't at the very end of life and we can talk about that a little bit later. And we have occupational therapists on the ward who will make sure that whilst people might be on the ward they're still getting out of bed, they're still able to do the things that they want to do, feed themselves, go to the toilet themselves, things that maintain that dignity level as you're approaching the end of life um, and also very often there's a psychological component to being given a diagnosis uh, that is life limiting and we have a, a, an ever expanding actually counselling team that will come and talk to people about the concerns that they may have and that may be something that has 
sat with them for their whole life that they want to deal with before they pass away. Sometimes it can be issues within a family. It could be issues with something someone has done earlier in their life, or it can just be coming to terms with what might be a relatively new piece of information. But then what we can do is we rewind because not everybody is told, by the way, you've got a life limiting condition and you've got a few months left to live. Very often people have a diagnosis and it can be given to them years and years before they die. And with the advancements in medical technology, the advancements in hospice care, um, we're able to see people have a condition which would be deemed as terminal. So yes, at some point that condition could cause you to die. But actually people are living for such a long time with these conditions nowadays that sometimes it isn't even the condition that is the cause of their death. And they can live for ages and ages and ages. So as a wellbeing team, we want them to be living those years, not just sitting and waiting, because that isn't living. That is just existing. And Eleanor is all about living and the wellbeing team are all about living. So how do we do that? Ultimately, the biggest thing is to keep people doing things they enjoy. So we're very good at talking to people and saying, what's important to you? We have a phrase, what matters to you? And that's a really broad question. And even for the people within this room, the answer to that question will be very different. For some people, it's their family. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's finishing the sweater they started knitting six months ago. Yeah. You know, actually, um, it's such a varied question. And then we look at each person as an individual and say, how can we help you within the wellbeing team to achieve those things? Um, so we have um, a variety of groups that people can come and attend. We call them our therapeutic activity groups or TAGs for short. Um, so that can involve coming along to um, an exercise class and doing exercise to make sure that you're keeping physically well. We have a mindfulness and relaxation class, which helps people to learn skills in dealing with what life throws at us because life can be rubbish sometimes and certainly when you've been given a diagnosis that says you will have x amount of time left that's one of life's curveballs but that doesn't mean that we can't bat that curveball away for a while and say you know what that's fine life throw this at me but i'm going to continue doing the things that i enjoy we also have um lovely music for well-being session we have live musicians come in once uh, once a month from a company called live music now who perform just yesterday we had a, a flute and violin uh, duo come in and perform for us which was uh, amazing and then the other sessions across the month we explore what music means um how emotive it can be the memories it can uh, induce i think there's something so powerful about music it's amazing that a tune can play that you might have been six years old when you heard it. And for some, somehow we remember every single word, you know, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We might not know our partner's phone number because it's stored <laughs> on our mobile phone, but every single word of that song from the eighties, absolutely. I can sing along to it. Um, and music just can, can really uh, bring a lot of uh, emotions forward. We also have, um, our, a, a green shoots gardening group. Um, which ironically is, is uh, provided by a woman called Katie Gardner. So it all suits, suits uh, <laughs> lovely. And horticultural therapy is a great way of making sure that people can deal with life's issues through the medium of gardening. And we talk a lot about growth and life through plants, but also you can address the fact that plants die, 
and actually how do we look after plants to prolong their life and and that opens up conversations that can be pretty difficult to have um and then we also do sessions where we do arts and crafts fun and games and 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 then there's a huge social component so a lot of people will come in and just be around one another or sometimes they'll just be and actually it's really important for a lot of people and then strapped alongside that we've got um, our finance support team who will make sure that people are entitled getting the money they're entitled to um, when you get a diagnosis like this your care needs can increase but also it might affect your um, your ability uh, to go places and there's monies that you're entitled to to help you with that so we have a team of volunteers that help us with that um, we have a family support team because a diagnosis that is terminal doesn't just affect the individual it affects everyone around them their carers their family their partner uh, you know children aunties uncles whoever um, and we help the families to come to terms and prepare for that kind of stuff um, and then we also have a spiritual care team and spiritual care and religion is is a massive cornerstone of hospice care and actually acknowledging that people with all faiths or no faiths okay. are welcome at Eleanor and supported because spirituality is bigger than just religion you don't have to have religion to be spiritual um, but we have um, representation of religion at Eleanor as well and that's that's sometimes answering some of life's bigger questions or tackling them what happens when I die have I been a good person in my life am I being judged those are kind of questions as you approach the end of life they suddenly become a lot more important and sometimes you need a bit of guidance on how to deal with those can someone tell me the answers we don't have those answers but we can certainly explore them with you um, and as mentioned before we've got the counseling team who can help people to to prepare so that's um that's kind of a a summary of, of some of the services that we provide um, but we always I think the key is speak to the individual about things that are important to them and how we can help them to achieve those things. So we have all of these amazing things but everything is wrapped around an individual of what they would need Absolutely. and that's what your team would be having those conversations with people from the outset. Absolutely we, we will meet people we will get to know them and we'll make sure that you know actually when people come through the doors of Eleanor they are more than a diagnosis mm -hmm. we want to find out actually how is you how are you living your life at the moment and how can we help you to live that better mm -hmm. and actually your diagnosis is semi-important to make sure we give you the right support but that's not the main focus the main focus is you as a person and what do you want to do with your time and i love that and helena do that very well this mm -hmm. all person-centered care everything is wrapped around that individual which is amazing and you know it's so lovely to hear that all of those services exist because when you think of hospice care you don't always think about all of the addictions that go with it and I'm sure people will listen to this podcast and say, I didn't know they did Reiki, I didn't know they did gardening. And that's lovely. It's exactly what this is about, living as well as you can for as long as you can. And I love I love that about the wellbeing service. So how do you, Andy, how do you um, almost refer me or access these services? Well, the easiest thing to do is if you are listening and you are interested, you can self-refer. You can... Okay. Go on to the uh, Eleanor website, www.eleanor.org, and there is a self-referral form that you can click and fill in your details saying, listen, uh, 
I'm interested in this. Can you send me some more information? Or you can send an email um, or there's phone numbers. You can phone in and we can give you that information. Or you can go to a local healthcare professional. You can speak to your GP if you do have uh, a diagnosis and you're thinking this is a service that I think I need support from. GPs, community nurses, any healthcare professional is able to fill in a form and, 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 and do that. But actually, you can do it yourself if you're hearing these words and thinking those are things that I want to be um, uh, uh, taking part in. And one of the things that we've done actually is to open up Eleanor's doors to the community. Um, we have made a lot of the groups that we run something that we call open access. And what that means is that actually anybody can go to those groups. You don't have to have a terminal illness to be able to come along to the seated exercise group, to the gardening group, to the music for wellbeing. If you're part of the local community, you can come along and you can join in. And and the reason that we've done that is because we want to make Eleanor less scary. Yes. We know that the yes. word hospice <laughs> instills certain visions and, and feelings and fears. And actually what we want people to do is turn up to Eleanor walk through the doors and say, yeah, I'm just here for seated exercise. And, oh, actually, Eleanor's a really lovely place to come. Look at this environment. And those sausage rolls are delicious too. <laughs> and and realise that there is, there's more to Eleanor than, than I think people in their minds, they hear the word hospice and they kind of see some kind of Adam's family gothic building yep. and the light, lightning and scariness. And actually, when you come to Eleanor and you sit here, you realise just how calming and peaceful and, and lovely a place it is to be. And by inviting members of the community to come along to these groups, that's a much gentler introduction. Mm -hmm. And then if somebody knows someone, has a member of the family that then gets diagnosed with a, a terminal illness, and we know that though these kind of diagnoses are, are on the rise, I mean, one in two people will get cancer at some point in their life, right? And isn't that a scary thought? So the chances are you already know somebody um, or will certainly at some point in your life who would benefit from Eleanor's services. So the more people that know what goes on here, the easier it is to be able to turn around and say, listen, you want to get yourself down the Eleanor. Yes. They'll really support you. They know what they're doing. They are the specialists in this stuff. And that's what we want to be. We want to be a centre of excellence. We want people to say palliative care. Yeah, that's Eleanor. Exactly. And they think of us first. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's so, so true what you're saying. It, one in two is a very scary statistic. Isn't it? Isn't it? In this day and age particularly. So it's, you know, I've said it before in other podcasts, I'm incredibly privileged to be part of an organisation that does this work for these people. I mean, Diane, you're relatively new to the wellbeing service. Um, now you do suffer with multiple conditions, yep. which, you know, you sort of came in for Eleanor's support. How's your first impressions been so far? Um, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Okay, of course, yeah, of course. I, I just knew that I needed some support um, to help me improve my health. Yeah. And when they suggested um, seated exercise classes, I went, yep, that, that's exactly what I need. Mm -hmm. And I kind of turned up and there's all these people sitting around drinking tea and eating biscuits. <laughs> and I went, yeah, it's quite, quite a good exercise. <laughs> Lifting a cup of tea, <laughs> chewing a biscuit, that's definitely a, a, well, an exercise. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. And the first exercise class, he took no prisoners. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, it was, it, it's, it, it wasn't like, yeah, let's just like open and shut our hands. Yeah. Let's tap our toes. Yeah, I could do that for an hour. Yeah. Nope. 
I went home and went to bed and slept for three hours. Oh, the wow. first time we went, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was it was tough but how did you feel oh, obviously after you sleep but do, do you feel are you sort of seeing the benefits of oh definitely I, I was definitely like really looking forward to going back the next oh, time goodness. yeah and um uh so i've lost my train of thought now is that the class you're doing at the moment in CD yes yeah because of uh, my health conditions i can't do like laying down on the floor like yoga type exercises i can't do aerobic exercises because i can't walk very far so this is very much in my wheelhouse nice. so I'm, I'm definitely getting a lot out of it and also it was very difficult for me to leave the house on my own it's quite an undertaking right and since i've been coming i just come on my own and i just don't think anything of it wow. was that a goal of yours before you started or was that just i never even thought about it really oh, and and i've been going to the dentist on my own and to the doctor's office so you weren't doing this get before? me i know Wow. So your independence is yes, definitely, definitely. off the back of the class. Yeah. And that's a short space of time as well, isn't it? Yeah, about four or five. I think I've been about five times, six times. Yeah, so probably about five or six, across the course of five or six yeah. weeks, I think oh, it's been. break, yeah. And how has that, do you think, has that maybe improved your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, being able to, you know, the Yes, yeah, because, I mean, I was quite content living in my little bubble. Yeah. <laughs> quite content. <laughs> yeah. Time passes quite amicably, and you know, I mean, I don't, I don't really feel that my mental health isn't robust. I, I, I feel that I still have a positive outlook on life mm. because I've been off sick from work for a year right. and then gave up work in right. November. And people go, oh, you must be terrible. Or like, no, that's fine. And I was quite happy being at home, but actually coming out for a couple of hours and putting the world to right over tea and biscuits. It's good. So it's not just an exercise class. There's a social aspect as well. And is that important to you, the social that's, side? That I wasn't expecting that at all. And that is that's just what that's that makes it. Tell you, it, it. it makes all the difference. And we we chatted briefly about you know maybe building new friendships, yes. new social circles as well. Perhaps whether that's outside of Ellenor or yes. just at the classes. That's really lovely to hear. I'm so glad that you're getting so much from it. Yeah. Good. And is there any other classes that you think you might take up? Yeah, I might do the. You've heard the about the gardening one, maybe. Gardening, okay. Do you need pet therapy? Yes, yeah, so on Wednesdays, we actually do. We have a, a lovely dog called Susie. She's a Labrador who comes in on Wednesdays um, with her owner, Stephen, um, who comes in to see everybody. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they have um, been coming for quite some time. Um, and just, I think for a lot of people, pets just put a smile on people's faces yeah. and so yeah Stephen comes in on 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 Wednesdays with uh with his dog Susie um and they just sit and chat and Susie gets stroked and fed treats and that happens on a, <laughs> on a Wednesday so she's incredibly well behaved and we've just recently actually it's been so successful because Stephen then also brings Susie up onto the ward um and for a lot of people who um are on the ward they may have dogs at home that they're really missing i mean actually eleanor encourages people to bring their pets in where possible That's it. um but um but susie will just come and sit by their bed in reach be able to be stroked and even for people that are at the very end of life we're able to help them to reach their hand stroke susie and there's such a calming effect mm -hmm. of stroking a dog and particularly if you've had dogs in your life you, the attachments that that makes for you um and at the end of the life no end of life knowing that there's a, a dog there has, has a huge impact so yeah pet therapy is, is huge and we've just started getting another um 
another dog, uh, Toffee the Cockapoo, comes in to the ward as well in the evenings as well. Um, and um, while Susie's a Labrador, she's fairly fairly big. She can't go on the beds, I think, because uh, Toffee's a little bit smaller. She can sit on people's laps and things. So, uh, well, we this is the thing. If people said we would like cats as well, then we could explore that. Although we do have um, Sid the hospice cat who seems to have wandered around. He, he, he's, he's here. Uh, he's not our cat. Yeah, he's just a local cat who comes in. And I think that was one of the things we realised just how much people like that, how much patients and staff like having a, an, an animal around. And, and yeah, Sid the cat certainly uh, comes and makes himself known. So if you hear a purring, it isn't me. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Sid the cat. <laughs> oh, there you go, guys. So next to me, pet therapy. Wins yeah. Is, yeah. Get yourself signed up. We'll talk later. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, get yourself in. But it's nice to, like I said, it's nice to hear that there is such an array of things and you could almost cherry pick the things that, are going to personally suit you. Yeah. I mean, you were talking to any of your friends now about Eleanor and about your experience. Would you recommend your, you know, the wellbeing service to to friends or your family? That Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, um, in my previous life when I was working, I I knew a lot of people in the community that were socially isolated, and didn't feel well. But they didn't have terminal conditions, but they had long term health conditions. Yeah which was very much the career that I had, was supporting them. And if I'd have known that they could have come to something like this, I would have told them about it. But So maybe a job for us in shouting even louder about how, you know, how great Eleanor is in the services that we can offer. And exactly like Andy said, this is a lot of what we do is live as well as you can for as long as you can. And it is that one of our biggest battles has always been breaking down some of that stigma yeah. that, that might be attached to hospice care, what hospice is, or Andy says, or Adam's family home. Mm. And it's <laughs> true, you know, I've got family living in the local area all their lives. They don't know any of those classes that we offer. Mm. It's only with, you know, with me being now, you know, sort of within the realms of Eleanor, I can communicate that. So we do have a bit of work to do to, you know, communicate those messages, but it's really lovely to hear you know your feedback and the fact that it's made such an impact on your life in such a short space of time so oh, yes. yeah thank you for that and obviously andy it's been a tough few years for the hospice we've coming out the back of the pandemic and mm. you know having to pretty much close everything for covid and now we're sort of coming to the back end of it now we've got some really exciting stuff coming up um our new wellbeing center so tell us a little bit about that and where you see services sort of going over the next 12 to 18 months yeah so you're right the last couple of years were a real challenge um and we took the decision during the covid times to to not close down completely but look at how can we deliver support to our patients in a different way um, and a lot of our services turned remote so we used to have drop-in uh, video calls we used to have um, a remote seated exercise so even though people were at home they were still still, get, still getting in there and making sure they were doing their exercise and and that's when our mindfulness and relaxation groups went remote as well and one thing that covid has taught us is that we can reach a lot more people if we go into their homes via technology we still do the live groups but actually we've, we're doing a lot more via technology as well um, and we also tried to we also realized that a lot of our patients aren't 
technologically savvy so we tried to help them to learn how to use the technology so that they can do that and that's one of the things that the new wellbeing wing is going to allow us to do it's going to be fully kitted out with devices and tv screens and and we're going to have the the tech that we can sit down with people and say look if you don't know how to use a laptop or a tablet this is how you do it and look at the things that you can do so if you've got family in australia that you don't talk to very much Here's how to do a Zoom call. Here's how to do this stuff. And, and and actually, we've started those kind of ideas now, but we just don't have the tech to do that. And that's one of the things the New Wellbeing Centre is going to do. The other thing that we realised in the last few years is the massive importance of, of mental health and, and, and self-care. And so what we're doing is we're expanding our counselling team. So the New Wellbeing wing is going to have um, three counselling rooms. The, the current wing that we have at Elinat had two counselling rooms and they were limited in their size. Yeah. So we're massively expanding those. We're going to have two rooms that will take two or well the counsellor and potentially two people we're going to have one like family counselling room as well so we can do maybe group counselling or family session counselling and expand that and then the multifunction room that we're going to have um it's going to have um a kitchen alongside it so their occupational therapists can work with people who maybe want to maintain their independence with cooking meals mm -hmm. or maybe concerned about how safe they are but also for people who maybe have been bakers their whole life. Yeah. Why not think about something like a, a baking group, you know, or for our bereaved couples. Um, and please don't think I'm being sexist in this way, but this is very much the message that comes from our community is that when there is a man who is left bereaved yeah. because his wife has passed away and she was the person who did the cooking, very often the man will find himself not really sure what to do and there's only so far that beans and toast and microwave meals will <laughs> get you and we want to be able to explore kind of groups like that where we can say actually we'll come in and show you how to do some basic cooking um in this facility um now there's obviously health and safety hoops that we have to jump through and we have to make sure that food hygiene it, it, is, is correct but that's what Eleanor does we make sure that everything is right all our ducks are in a row and then we can deliver these groups safely um, there's also great scope to expand the um, horticultural therapy side of things so once the garden is renovated we're looking to have a therapy section of the garden where we can have um, a sensory garden with like you know plants that smell really nice so you know the lavenders of this world but also very tactile um uh, plants that you know feel a little bit different um, and then we want to use those plants and patients can take the lavender and they can maybe make some essential oils or make some perfumes of their own they can take away with them that that and we can link that in with the aromatherapy that our complementary therapist does so we're suddenly getting um, a lot of ideas around the way that we can bring the hospice together as a community Last year, a great example of that was the Jubilee party that we held for Her Majesty. And we didn't know at the time actually how poignant that was going to be, given yeah, that she's no longer with us. And the whole hospice came together and all the different services and all of that, the patients came in on the same day. And it was lovely to just see the Eleanor community yeah. together, enjoying an event, working as one. And that had a real lasting impact on on everybody and and that's that's the kind those are the kind of things that we're going to be able to continue doing more of mm -hmm. um you know um in the interim 
whilst the works are going on we're based over at the manor hotel on heaver court road in gravesend we're continuing to provide our groups but it doesn't mean we're not looking to still do events so later on this year we've got a coronation coming up so we'll be exploring how we can remember the coronation because the same as the jubilee there's not you're not going to see many coronations in your lifetime so let's make the most of that and and, and enjoy that as an event but we're already asking the patients, what do you want to do? Because mm -hmm. we can say, well, look, we'll do a party and we'll we'll have these things going on. The patients might say, no, that doesn't interest us. Yeah. What we what we want to do is we want to dress up as Morris dancers, or we want to, <laughs> you know, we want to we want to bring in the the fancy cars, and 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 that's fine. And then we we'll, we can speak to the hotel about about putting on an event like that. So, and then when we come back to the new build. We've already, we've all, I mean, we've already got some ideas of new groups that we want to start up. Yes. It just gives us the option to explore those avenues. Whereas currently, before the before the new build had started, we were full. Yep. We we're at capacity. We we couldn't do any more. Um, and it was getting to the point where people would come in for seated exercise. And we'd be squeezed in because we didn't have the space. And I was saying, right, everybody lift their arms. And they're kind of knocking into each other. Like, right, we need to move home. Yeah. We need a bigger space. And, and you know, Eleanor said, you know what? We're right. If we want to do more for our patients, we need to find or build new premises. So we're super excited about the opportunities that, that, that that's going to afford us. And, and I think that that will just attract even more people from the local community that's, yeah that's the plan that you know reach more people there's a lot of people living longer but living with more complex conditions um and you know we need to be ready to, to cater for those people and exactly like diane said a lot of it is the social aspect as well it's you know trying to fight social isolation and we hope with you know the new well-being center that we can very much begin to welcome more even more people into Eleanor, which was always the ambition so Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you both. Really appreciate your time. And it's been lovely to hear as well, hopefully for everyone listening, just the range of services that, that we can offer as a hospice. It's not that stigma of hospice care. There's actually a lot more to it, living as well as you can for as long as you can. And well-being certainly supports that ethos. So thank you so much. It's You're been welcome. A pleasure. Um, and that was our th uh, fourth podcast um, for Eleanor Hospice. If you want to um, find out any more about us, just check us out online eleanor.org um, or you can call us at Gravesend and get in touch with Andy's team to find out some more of the well services. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you.